Yes, we're going to this morning continue our studies in the letter of Jude. So if you want to turn there. It's been a while since we've been in this book, but, or letter, but anyways, we'll get started here. In the first part of this letter of Jude, we learned about ungodly people who had slipped into the church. In verses 3 and 4, Jude had told this congregation of Christians that he wanted to urge them to contend for the true faith and to beware of false teachers. There was a real danger in the church then, and there's a real danger in the church today. And if believers are not careful, Satan will slither his way into the church and destroy the fellowship. Jude warns us about this danger and urges us to contend for the faith, to agonize, and to fight for it in verse 3. Now in verses 5 to 16, he expands on that warning against false teachers and brings a negative admonition to this local congregation and to all Christians to be on guard against false teaching. But in these verses 5 to 16, he doesn't present a positive program. He tells you negatively to beware of false teachers. But he doesn't tell you positively how to prepare for them. And that he does here in verses 17 to 23 in our text here this morning. And I'm going to use the New King James Version this morning. Verses 17 to 23. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. And God always adds his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Now this portion of scripture falls into three parts. In verses 17 to 19, Jude gives us the call to remembrance. In verses 20 and 21, he gives an exhortation to growth. And then in verses 22 and 23, he calls us to show mercy. And so in a very complete and positive way, Jude gives us instructions on how we can not only survive in the context of a world where the Christian church is filled with false teachers, but where we can thrive and grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things I want to draw your attention to is the way Jude speaks to those to whom he has sent this letter. In verse 1, and I'm going to read that from the New International Version, it says, To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. In verses 17 and 20, Jude addresses his readers twice as beloved. Now the term beloved describes those addressed as being very dear to the heart of the one who is using it. And it is with such love in Jude's heart 
that we find him giving the exhortations necessary to keep them from being misled by the ungodly. And let us bear in mind that as God's children, we too are beloved, we're beloved of God, Romans 1 verse 7, and that we are to heed these exhortations of Jude as well. Jude is telling us here in verses 17 to 19 to remember that Christians are to remember the various biblical admonitions regarding false teachers. And today this would mean especially the New Testament. We, as Christians, the followers of God, the beloved, are reminded to keep our thoughts on the pure gospel message sent by the apostles from the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jude is referring to what Jesus and his apostles had already predicted, that ungodly people would infiltrate the church. We need to recognize the fact that there's never a time when we're completely safe from false teaching. We have to remember and be on our toes so that we are ready to stand watch against false teaching. And the New Testament is filled with warnings against false prophets. Now here are some of these warnings. In Matthew 7, verse 15, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. In Matthew 4, 24, verse 11, Jesus also says that many false prophets will also rise up and deceive many. In Acts chapter 20, verses 29 and 30, there is a similar warning from the Apostle Paul. Now Paul at Acts 20 is meeting with the Ephesian elders in the port city of Miletus. We remember that in our studies in Acts. And he's getting ready to depart, and he doesn't know if he's going to see them again. And he says to them in verse 28, Take heed, that is, be on guard yourselves, and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And then in verse 29 and 30, Paul says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among your own selves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, Paul also says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. In 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, he also says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will gather around them a great number of teachers, and they will turn their ears away from listening to the truth and wander off to myths. Jude is saying to this congregation and to us, Remember who spoke them. They were the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to heed them is to heed the Lord himself. In John 13, verse 20, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. 
And he who receives me receives him, that is God, who sent me. Remember what the apostles said, verse 18, that there would be mockers in the last time. And 2 Peter 3, verse 3 says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. But notice especially what he says about them in verse 19. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. Now sensual or worldly-minded people are people who are controlled by their flesh and not by the Spirit of God. And these worldly-minded false teachers advertise themselves as having the highest spiritual knowledge, but are actually attracted to the most debased levels of life. And we read some of that back in verse 7. James 3, verse 15 says about them, their wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Their chief end and chief purpose is to cause division. But note that they get their start in the church itself. Verse 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They fractured the church rather than uniting it. But know this, those who stand on the truth of God's word do not cause division. It is those who depart from the truth of God's word who bring discord in the church. So the key question is this. How can we protect ourselves from such people? How can we guard ourselves against false teachings? What can we do to ensure that we are found on the side of truth? And Jude is saying here, don't forget the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 11 tells us we are to hide God's word in our hearts. We are commanded to study the word of God. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15. And we are to pass on what we've been taught to others. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 and Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 to 9. We are not to pass down traditions. We are not to pass down the opinions. We are to pass down the word of God. And so the first thing Jude says is to remember the word of God. Well, secondly, in verses 20 and 21, Jude exhorts us to grow. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now it may seem that Jude is telling, telling us to do four things in these verses, but he's actually telling us one main thing to do and three steps to make it happen. 
The main statement in these <coughs> verses is to keep yourselves in the love of God. We must remain in the love of God. Jude wrote in verse 1 that believers are loved and kept by God. God keeps his own, and his own must keep themselves in his love. Jude provided three steps we can take to keep ourselves in the love of God. And the first step is by building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 to 15, that the only foundation for the church is Jesus Christ, and people must build upon that foundation. And that is a call to build ourselves up on the teaching of Scripture, on Bible truth. We are to build <coughs> together. Jude uses the word yourselves. Paul states in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11, Therefore, comfort each other and build each other up just as you also are doing. A church does not become strong individually. A strong church is a group effort. We are to build together on your most holy faith. Now, your most holy faith refers to the faith once delivered the truth of the gospel, and of God's word. And thus, we are building. We are building together. We are building together on the most holy faith. And the second step by which we remain in God's love is by praying in the Holy Spirit. Prayer is the necessary complement to the word of God. By the word of God, God speaks to us. By prayer, we speak to God. And the word of God is a source of strength and comfort to us. And so also is prayer. Prayer is a weapon we need in our arsenal of building the church. <clears throat> and by the way, we will never be through building the church. It will be a work in progress until Jesus comes. Amen. Now, to pray in the Holy Spirit means to pray according to the will of God, His desires, and His plans. It is prayer that is motivated by God and which seeks His will. It is the kind of prayer Paul mentioned in Ephesians 6, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, in order to accomplish that, we must turn once again to Romans chapter 8. Angela was in there this morning, and she started at verse 28. <laughs> we're not going to read a lot in this one here this morning, but we're here. What was that again? I'm sorry. Romans chapter 8. Yes, Romans chapter 8 is the great Holy Spirit chapter. Nineteen times in the first 27 verses, there is a reference to the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> To pray in the Holy Spirit, you must have the Spirit in your heart. That's verse 15. To pray in the Spirit, you must have the second coming at heart. That's verse 23. To pray in the Holy Spirit, you must have a servant's heart. That's verse 26. 
A servant's heart is a complete desire to please the master. To pray in the Holy Spirit, you must have a searching heart. That's verse 27. To pray in the Holy Spirit, we must desire the will of God to be accomplished in our lives. We must be willing to be what God wants us to be. It's also encouraging to note that when we do not know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit himself helps us. God, the Holy Spirit, intercedes for us, prays for us, if we will allow him. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27, Paul says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes, that is, pleads for God's own people in God's own way. Praying in the Holy Spirit is, surrender, is us surrendering, surrendering our will, our desires, and our aspirations to the authority of God. Letting God pray through you, for you, build you up more than you could ever imagine. The third step, and that was just something else that hit me there when I was doing this. We talk about the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, but it is God himself. God is in us. And he's helping us. Yes. Now, the third step in remaining in God's love is to be looking or waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. We must always be looking forward, looking forward to the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's Titus 2, verse 13. We must be always looking forward to the coming of the day of the Lord, 2 Peter 3, verses 10 to 12. Looking forward to, for that new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And that's 2 Peter 3, verses 13 and 14. We must always be looking forward, especially as it pertains to eternal life and mercy. It is the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ that saves us. His merciful act of paying the debt for all our sins saved us, that we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And you'll find that in Titus 3, verses 4 to 7. And Jude is saying, Christian, while you are waiting, you cultivate that hope. You live in that hope. You long for the coming of the Lord. What do you do to resist false teaching? You grow. You grow in doctrine. You grow in prayer. You grow in the experience of the love of God. You grow in hope. In verses 22 and 23, Jude calls us to show mercy. The New International Version reads, 
Verse 22, be merciful. That is, compassionate to those who don't. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Jude is telling us that as Christians, we have certain obligations to other believers. We need to show mercy to those in any kind of spiritual or physical need. We need to have compassion. First, to save ourselves. For mercy will only be shown to the merciful. James 2 verse 13 says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And second, compassion is needed to properly handle to save those in danger. 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 and 25. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. There appears to be three groups of people Jude mentioned, and a progression of how badly each group is affected by ungodly intrusion. Jude began with those who were least affected by the ungodly, by encouraging the church to have mercy on those who were doubting. And this group had begun to doubt whether the faith they had been taught was correct. And these victims of the false teachers need mercy and love and patience because they have not yet reached a firm conclusion about Christ and eternal life. And so they remain doubters who could possibly be swayed to the truth of God's word in love and patience. The second group was even in greater danger. And these people have been too ready to listen to the false teachers and their behavior. And if this group continued on the same destructive path, they would be consumed by God's judgment of eternal fire. The people in this group are like a stick that is beginning to burn. They need to be rescued quickly before the fire burns them completely. Perhaps these are people who never made a genuine profession of faith. But they might if they were not overly influenced by false doctrine. However, there is still hope that they can be reclaimed, rescued from the judgment to come, and put into a right relationship with God. And how are we to deal with them? Jude says, save them snatching them out of the fire that threatened to destroy them. Now the third group is in the worst shape. They have already been defiled, polluted by the false teachers. They are so far into it that there's probably no turning back. So what does Jude say about this group? Have mercy on them mixed with godly fear. (coughs) 
These are people who refuse to turn to God. Christians must be kind to them, but they must act with great care. This is in case the life without God that these people lead begins to appear attractive. And Christians must hate these people's evil practices. Their practices, not the people. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. And this is a metaphor for staying wary of sin. As Paul says, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. In Galatians 6, verse 1. The psalmist said it this way. Psalm 97, verse 10. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of his godly ones. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Psalm 101, verse 3. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Amos 5, verse 15. Hate evil, love good. Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. From what Jude is saying, and from what these other scriptures are teaching, we need to hate sin. Any believer is not a match for sin. We must be careful. Wherever sin is, there is the potential to fall into it. We need to hate sin. We cannot love it. We cannot embrace it. We cannot give it the time of day. So how can we hate sin? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22 says, Abstain from every form of evil. Beware of pride. Proverbs 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Confess your sins at every opportunity. 1 John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Live for the Lord. Keep yourself in tune with him. So here then are Jude's final exhortations to the beloved. Remember the words spoken before, verses 17 and 18. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith, verse 20. Pray in the Spirit, also verse 20. Keep yourselves in the love of God, verse 21. Look for the mercy of our Lord, also in 21. Be compassionate. Merciful with fear, verses 22 and 23. Certainly, God holds sinners responsible for their own sins, but he also reaches out to them in mercy. If you really understand the doctrine of God's sovereign mercy, you will not be judgmental or proud. 
you will become a messenger of God's mercy. And that is exactly what Jude is saying in this scripture. Be on guard against false teaching. Care about Bible truth, but make sure that that Bible truth is making you merciful. False teaching has an intoxicating effect that dulls the mind to God's truth. And I guarantee if we realize it is possible for the same thing to happen to us, that we will re react to others with mercy. May these words of Jude to his beloved serve as a guide to us today. Oh, to be continued. <laughs> finished yet. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we just praise you and thank you for this time we've had here this morning. And we praise you for this letter of Jude. He was your half-brother, Lord. And he looked up to you. And Father, we thank you for the love that he has shown and compassion to the people of this congregation, to those, some of them who are falling away, Lord. And he was reaching out to them in mercy and love and patience. And I would ask, Lord, that we would be exactly the same way. To save our fellow brothers and sisters from eternal doom. To resist the false teachings we need to get into your word. To study your word. To learn what your word has to say so that we won't fall into the false teachers' traps. Father, we just thank you for this. Thank you for your love and your patience with us. Thank you for being our God who sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins and that we confess our sins to him and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That he was willing to come and pay the price on Calvary for us. And it's so wonderful to know if that if I was the only person in the world or anyone else, that he would have done the same thing. He would have died for us to save us. Thank you for that, because we don't know yet as we can only imagine what heaven is like and what eternal life is like and all the riches and glory that he left to be here with us and walk with us and go through the same things that we went through. But he was without sin. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word, for this message, and I ask you to bless each and every one who has heard it here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.